Welcome to Riders Report, the podcast. See you later! Oh, baby! And the Riders win! Now, here's your host, Zach Bigley. Hello and welcome to Riders Report, the podcast, episode 5. I'm Zach Bigley, broadcaster for the Frisco Rough Riders, and we are very happy to have you along. We've made it to the offseason. It's crazy. The 2021 season is over, and there is so much to talk about here in the first podcast of the offseason. We are so excited to use this platform to update you on Frisco Rough Riders things throughout the offseason, of course, through the players, the community, and everything going on leading up to this upcoming year. And this episode is a good one. We take a look back at the final day of the season and the craziness that it was. We'll also hear from Rough Riders reliever Chase Lee and his incredible story in our interview with him earlier this year. And we'll talk about that opening day roster from 2021 and where they all ended up. Without further ado, let's dive right in. What a season it was for the Rough Riders in 2021. Finishing 64-55, and 55, Frisco captured their first winning season since 2014, and they were in first place in the AA Central South Division literally from the first day of the season to the last day. Despite this, though, the Rough Riders missed the playoffs for the sixth straight year, kind of because of a technicality, honestly. As a catch-up, at the beginning of the year, because of the pandemic, there were not initially going to be any playoffs in minor league baseball. In the middle of the season, Major League Baseball decided to institute playoffs in single-A and double-A leagues, while triple-A had 10 games added on to the end of the season called the final stretch. The only caveat was that instead of normal division winners making the playoffs like it has been in the past with two halves of the season, Major League Baseball decided that it would make it the two best teams in each league, regardless of division by record, would make the postseason. The Rough Riders had the best record in the double-A central from the beginning of the year all the way through August 19th, when Wichita eventually overtook them, and ultimately it came down to the final day of 2021 in a game in Amarillo against the Sod Poodles to decide if the Rough Riders would make the playoffs for the first time since 2014. To set the scene, the Rough Riders held a half-game lead over Arkansas and a full game over Northwest Arkansas. The scenarios were simple enough for Frisco. Win and you're in. A loss would make things a little bit more complicated. If Frisco lost and Northwest Arkansas or Arkansas were to win, that would bump the Riders out of the playoffs. Let's get into this game because it was one of the best that the season had to offer. To start off, after four innings, the Rough Riders trailed one to nothing, but they vaulted themselves back out in front with a pair of runs in the fifth. That didn't last long. Amarillo answered right back with five tallies of their own in the bottom of the inning to take a 6-2 advantage. The Rough Riders fought their way back. In the sixth, Josh Stowers blasted his 20th home run of the season, making history as the first Rough Riders player to compile a 2020 season with 20 home runs and 21 steals. And Frisco came back with three runs in the seventh as well. Davis Wenzel, a two-run bomb, and a Dio Adius RBI double to tie the game at 6-6. And that is where the fun really started. In the bottom of the seventh, Amarillo homered to take the lead. Then in the top of the eighth, Bubba Thompson hammered his 16th homer of the season to tie it back up. And then came the ninth inning. Thompson started off the scoring by lacing a two-run triple, his league leading ninth of the year, and Josh Smith hit a sack fly to make it 10-7 Rough Riders. If you're Frisco, you're feeling pretty good about the position you're in at this point, especially because you're turning it over to Chase Lee, who had been brilliant out of the Frisco bullpen this year. Entering the series, Lee had a 1-3-5 ERA with the Rough Riders, but he had blown his first save of the season four days prior. So with one out and two on in the ninth, Ryder Jones crushed a three-run game-tying home run to knock the game at 10-10. A massive punch in the gut for Frisco, but they were still alive. And with that, we journeyed into extra innings. The Rough Riders took advantage right away. Eddie singled home Davis Wenzel, 
making it 11-10. to And once again, the Riders felt pretty good, handing the ball to Daniel Robert in the bottom of the 10th. Like Lee, he had been very good. Entering the game, Robert a sub-1 ERA in 11 outings with Frisco, having allowed just one earned run in 17 innings. But... Once again, Amarillo got on to him. Unfortunately, Amarillo, they tied the game up on the first batter of the bottom of the 10th inning. And then Stone Garrett, who was a postseason all-star for the Sod Poodles, he cranked a three-run walk-off homer to give Amarillo a 14-11 series finale win. It was a crushing defeat for the Rough Riders, but of course there was still hope. Arkansas or Northwest Arkansas, they both needed to lose, and uh, Frisco would find themselves in an extended season because of that. Travelers fell to Wichita 11-6, eliminating them from contention, but pretty much at the same time that the Rough Riders went into extra innings, Northwest Arkansas scored four runs in the bottom of the seventh of their game, overcoming a 3-2 deficit, and that catapulted themselves to a 9-4 win. Rough Riders and Naturals were tied by record, but Northwest Arkansas held the head-to-head over Frisco, having won six of the 11 meetings on the season. That put them ahead in the standings. Funny enough, the Rough Riders and Naturals only played 11 this year because they had a game canceled earlier this season due to COVID protocol. So that's why they played an odd amount of games, and that's why Northwest Arkansas had the 6-5 advantage over them. It was a very tough ending to the season for the Rough Riders, especially considering that they were tied for the most wins in all of minor league baseball on July 3rd. They were off to their best start through 53 games in franchise history before going 28-38 and the rest of the way. Despite the tough ending, it was certainly one of the most memorable seasons in franchise history. Stay tuned through future episodes of the podcast as well as we'll revisit some of the top moments from the season. We'll put in perspective just how amazing the season was and how good some of the players were that came through Frisco as well. There were some incredible relievers who made their way through Frisco in 2021, and one of the best was righty Chase Lee. Lee was drafted in 2021 by the Rangers out of the University of Alabama and finished the season with a sub-3 ERA starting his career in AA. Not only was he a success story on the field, but he was one of the more unique paths you'll see into baseball, and especially that you'll find anywhere in the minors. Let's take a listen to our interview with Chase Lee that we had earlier this year. Chase, we'll start off with this. It's been a crazy whirlwind for you this season. What was the whole draft process like to come over to the Rangers? Uh, it was uh, exciting, uh, confusing. Uh, you know, all the emotions signed the, you know, one day, and um, really a lot went on. It was a, a really weird swing of 24 hours. Didn't really know. I kind of knew I would go somewhere on day two. Um, I didn't know the exact range, and, and I hadn't really talked to Texas much leading up to it. I knew uh, the scout that drafted me uh, pretty well. I played for his summer team, um, so I knew him, but didn't really uh, – honestly, getting drafted by Texas was a surprise. Um, and then uh, they called a couple times early, um, earlier in the day, and, you know, we couldn't ag- agree kind of how everything would play out. And then, um, you know, eventually we came to the deal that I would, you know, get picked and then start here and uh, I mean it was an incredible setup and I'm really happy to to be with Texas and and it's been a a really fun ride so far and uh, really the whole day was just super excited being uh, being with family and friends and kind of everyone getting to experience that with me is really special. What were some of your emotions right away when you knew that you were going to be picked? Uh, Just really thankful. Uh, you know, especially um, kind of the, the route I'd taken to get to that point, um, 
just kind of looked back and, you know, was really appreciative for, for what God, all God has done for me and, and brought me to that point. And, and, you know, my family being there and supporting me and they've been there the whole time. And so that was really uh, kind of just the first thing that thought of was, you know, relieved to, to get it over with, but really just thankful for, for how everything had led up to that point. And we'll get to your season so far this year, but I want to do, I want to take a dive back into that incredible story that you have and how you got to where you are right now. And I want to start with growing up in Alabama and what was baseball like in the state of Alabama growing up? Um, you know, I'd say it's pretty similar to, to most places, but it's a, uh, you know, the park league was a, a really big deal. Like, you know, we'd have many teams and, you know, your all-star teams and your, so to speak, but we, you know, park ball was a really big deal growing up and growing up so close to Alabama, like that was the, the, the thing, like everybody went to Alabama games on Tuesdays when they did $2 Tuesdays and things like that. You kind of grow up around that. And, and that's kind of how the youth baseball is set up. Like everybody wants to play for Alabama. We uh, used minor league teams, but nobody really had the dream to play professionally. Like everybody wants to play, uh, you know, at Alabama. So that was kind of the collective goal of everyone involved in, in little league baseball. And then, uh, you know, when I was, 10 or 12, they kind of, they tore down the park to build a, a new school. And so we, you know, no one really played for a little while. We just waited till, you know, middle school and high school baseball. But, you know, growing up, everyone's dream was, you know, played Alabama. We wore Alabama camp t-shirts to practice and things like that. What were some of your favorite football memories with, with Alabama growing up? Um, you know, well, honestly, growing up, we weren't good. We, we had a rough stretch there. <laughs> Uh, we lost to Auburn what six six times in a row growing up. So uh, there's not many good memories uh, as far as winning games, but uh, the whole experience of you know my dad graduated from Alabama, so we you know go to games and or not necessarily in the games, but we'd go tailgate and walk around the campus and things like that. So more of just experiencing uh, the atmosphere and, and then you know wearing the you know plastic helmet and throwing the little football that sang the fight song are kind of some of the big memories that come to mind of just playing football in the yard, um, you know, while the Alabama game is on. Um, just kind of uh, really, uh, you know, enjoying the whole atmosphere of it, not necessarily any uh, special moments of the games because we weren't uh, good at that time. Now, you went to Alabama initially just to go to school. And so was that definitely the goal for you and it was the only school you wanted to go to or were there other options? Um, yeah, so with my uh, degree, I graduated in aerospace engineering. And so Alabama, in the state of Alabama, there's Alabama, Auburn, or Alabama at Huntsville. Um, I knew I had to stay in-state because of, uh, you know, tuition reasons and, um, you know, scholarship things. So I, I knew I was staying in-state. And so it left with Alabama, Auburn, or Alabama at Huntsville. And, um, you know, Alabama being the dream school, it ended up being the cheapest with my scholarship. So there was, you know, no doubt in my mind, kind of, uh, towards my senior year of high school, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to Alabama. That's the, the easy choice. It's the most financial, you know, accessible. And it's the, the place I've always wanted to go. So I'm going to go there and go to school. Aerospace engineering. What did you want to do with that? Uh, originally, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, I think that was kind of the goal. And then I realized I don't love flying as much as I expected to. Uh, I just, I don't like the whole process. And then, so after that, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, just work more hands-on with uh, 
jets and things like that, maybe like an Air Force something, uh, go kind of that route. And then, uh, you know, as I got more and more into it, the, my plans kind of changed where I just didn't want to be uh, in an office type setting uh, more. I wanted to be more hands on with uh, people and interacting with people. And so I, as towards the end of my second year, going into my third year, I started to see like the, the transition change where that was no longer what I wanted to do. But originally, you know, I was wanting to do something along the, the lines of, of planes and, and maybe fly or things like that. Are you still doing stuff kind of on the side outside of baseball with, with your degree? Um, no, <laughs> I finished up and I'm taking a break from school. Uh, I'll uh, do some tutoring classes in the fall and things like that just to uh, help make it through the off season. But as far as doing anything related to that, I, I'm taking a break and, and focusing on baseball right now. Your baseball journey is one of the more incredible stories you're going to find. You went to Alabama initially just to go to school there. Your parents forced you to try out. And then uh, from there, the, the story just kind of progressed. Can you take us through that story a little bit? Yeah. So, um, you know, I was always the you know, average high school player, uh, probably closer to below average than average, but, um, you know, really didn't have a future in baseball. And so, uh, I knew I wanted to go somewhere where I could do academics and I didn't have any offers out of high school. So I was, uh, I was done. I was just going to hang them up. And, uh, you know, after I graduated high school, I didn't plan on taking up baseball. I had uh, cashed in and started taking summer classes and was uh, preparing to, you know, do a degree in engineering. And then uh, I enrolled at Alabama and um, that was kind of it for a little while. And then mom got a, email or read an article somewhere that they had open tryouts and uh, you know, them wanting to uh, make me the best that I can be and, and whatever it is and have no regrets, I guess, kind of forced me to, to go try out. And I was like, you know, mom and dad, like, I'm you know, not good. I, I couldn't even get a junior college offer out of high school. Like, and you want me to go waste my time or waste their time more specifically to try out. And I was like, I'm not doing that. And they were like, no, we're going to, we're going to make you do that. Just, so you don't look back and say, well, what if, um, you know, and looking back, I'm glad they made me, but, uh, you know, uh, it was a standard tryout. You know, I took five ground balls. I hit eight balls on the field for BP and threw a 12 pitch pin. And, um, you know, there was nothing special, uh, as to be expected. Um, but I was throwing in the pin and, uh, coach Bohannon and coach Jackson, uh, the head coach and the pitching coach just suggested like, Hey, why don't you try like throwing like from down under or something or, or dropping down a little bit because obviously you're you're not really what we're looking for uh currently and i was like what does that even mean and he was like you know just you know play around throwing from a from a lower slot and i was like okay never heard of that um so i threw a couple in my tryout bullpen and they're like yeah it's just uh still not really uh what we're wanting yet and so um you know, I went home and kind of that was it, was getting ready to go back to class the next day. And, um, you know, I emailed both the coaches and just thanked them for, you know, opening up the field and uh, letting me try out. But really just is this something I should should try to continue in learning how to pitch sidearm or is uh, it something that's not really realistic that I need to just worry about school? And they were like, we, you know, obviously you're, you're still not good enough today, um, but, you know, ne you never know, play around with, trying to throw from there and learning how to pitch and, and throw harder. And, and maybe this is something that could work out for you. 
And so I think that was kind of uh, all I needed to, to run with. Um, I didn't expect to get any feedback and, and they're telling me, you know, not necessarily there's a chance, but there there's a sliver of hope if you, if you learn how to do this. And so um, I, you know, pondered on it for probably a month or so, like, Hey, do I want to uh, spend the next year training to, you know, not make it again? Like I've, you know, been told, you know, most of my life, Hey, you're, you're not good enough. Uh, do I really want to get let down one more time? Um, and then I kind of thought about it for a month or so. And then uh, towards probably September, October, I was like, you know what? Uh, you know, it's a year. Uh, I, I can swallow my pride. It, you know, it, I'm just going to go for it. And if I don't make it, you know, I'm already not on it. It's not much to lose. Uh, you know, it's nothing new to, to, to not be, uh, or to be told you're not good enough. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go with it. And so, um, through a mutual friend, I found uh, a high school pitching coach named Bryant Thompson. He worked at like a, a high school in Tuscaloosa. And, uh, so I texted him and we kind of got to work. And uh, at first I was learning how to pitch. Uh, I didn't pitch in high school, I played infield. And so that was the first thing was, hey, how do you even pitch at all? And then uh, a couple weeks in, we started learning how to change arm slots and drop down. And then um, I played a year of club baseball, which was uh, some of the most fun uh, baseball I've ever played with some of the best guys uh, around. And uh, I can't say enough for what they did for me, uh, both on and off the field. Um, but I, I was a starter there. So each start, I would change arm slots. I started, you know, uh, at like a low three quarter. And then the next start, I would try to scrape the ground or uh, and just try to figure out what was the most comfortable slot for me to end up at and what produced the, the best uh, stuff, I guess. Uh, and I kind of landed where I was at, um, where I'm at now. Um, so I played the club season. And then um, in May or June, I had a little uh, arm injury, nothing really uh, big, but just kind of a setback to add to the, the journey. And um, so, you know, kind of got through that and showed back up at, you know, the the next year's open tryout. And uh I guess I had a, a really good day or maybe they saw something that uh, they liked that they saw improvement maybe, um, but they decided to, to keep me around and uh, you know, the rest is kind of history. Were you throwing in the, the low nineties at that point? No. Um, so during the club season, I was probably like 82 to 84 ish. Um, and then I had the arm injury, uh, spent some time in, in rehab, um, and then came back. My first day, my first time on the mound was actually a tryouts. I, it was a, a very close like buildup to where I got out of rehab. I had like four weeks to get ready for tryouts. And I, so my first time on the mound was actually uh, at tryouts. And I think I hit 88 or 89, but for the most part, I was still like 85 to 87. Um, and, you know, I don't know what they saw, but uh, looking back, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would have taken me, but I'm glad they did. What What was the moment where it clicked where you're like, I think I can have success with this whole pitching thing? Um, probably following the end of my first year of uh, time on the team. Um, so the, I guess my second year of college, my first year with the, the varsity team, um, I had an older guy a couple older guys that had really poured into me throughout the year, not necessarily on the field. Uh, I was just trying to figure that out, but, but off the field, um, building confidence and, and really just pouring into me as a person. 
and towards the end of the year, they they said some really some things I'll, I'll remember for a long time, and and so that was kind of when it clicked. Like, hey, I'm I'm not there yet, but you know where I've come from in the past, you know, 12 months, like like I, this could be something like I could really go with. And then I had a, a really good summer up in Maryland um, for uh, the, the big train and, and met some really good people there. And that's when it really clicked, like, hey, this is something I can, I can actually do and, and be really good at um, and, and kind of own that niche of pitching sidearm. Pitching in the SEC is, or playing in the SEC, period, is, is a whole different animal when it comes to baseball. The crowds are crazy, but mm-hmm. what are some of your favorite memories of pitching in the SEC? Um, you know, there's a couple of games that stuff out, but um, I think it's the off-the-field stuff that people don't see that, that I'll remember most. The, the late nights at the, the dining hall or the you know, after-midnight football throws on the field, like, um, the things like that uh, are really things that like I'll remember it and guys we still talk about but uh, on the field like playing in front of uh, played at Mississippi State and I think they sold out for three games and had 40,000 people over three days like um, there's a couple of those some some really nice you know walk-off victories uh, uh, a really exciting SEC tournament game this year where we lost and then they didn't lose and then we won uh because of a, a runner interference call, so like, there's there's a lot of games that stick out, but for the most the most things that I remember are the stuff off the field that and in the locker room and the clubhouse and and the the, the friendships and the bonds that, that I've made over the years with, with different players. It's been an incredible career for you, obviously so far. You finished with the best ERA in Alabama history. What does that mean to you when you think about that? And you think about where you came from. Um, just really grateful. Um, you know, I am really proud of that accomplishment, but at the end of the day, like, it's just a number, um, you know, in five, 10 years from now, or however long people will forget that, you know, that's a, a stat that I hold. Um, but hopefully they don't forget, you know, who I was on the field and off the field. Um, the numbers are going to come and go, but, you know, hopefully my character and what I stood for and the things that I valued, um, you know, we'll stay with people longer than, than that. But I am really appreciative of, of the things that I accomplished, especially the, the route that it took to get there. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, a really uh, fun journey and one that, you know, honestly, like, I feel like I'm just getting to be a part of it, even though, like, it's me doing it. Um, it's just fun to be a part of and, and really points to the goodness behind this is a, obviously a difficult jump for some people to make the jump right from college directly into double-A. It's not something that happens very often. And obviously it was agreed upon that you would start here in double-A, but through your first few appearances, have you noticed a big difference between the college side of things and transitioning into pro ball? Um, definitely, but not, uh, I'm trying to word that the best that would be, you know, appropriate for both sides because the college guys are going to want me to say it's the same game. And then the pro guys are going to want me to say, no, it's a whole lot better here. And I would say it's, it's probably closer to the, it's a better, uh, you know, it's a little bit more difficult. You got to be a little bit more fine with your pitches and, and the balls get hit a lot harder on mistakes. Um, the atmosphere is a little different. So that plays a little bit into it where uh, not saying the, the Frisco crowd's been great, but you know, when you're playing in front of a, a couple thousand uh, closer to 10 and it, goes to I think we there was not many people at the game last night so 
uh, things like that change. But the baseball here is really good. And, um, you know, taking some time off in between the season and the draft and obviously today, um, you know, it kind of shows like hey, I'm not as fine as I need to be right now. And, and you know, mistakes get hit really hard. Uh, and the guys here are really good. A lot of them have been, you know, up and, and called back down. So, like, there's some really good players in the league. But at the end of the day, it's still just baseball hitters are going to miss bad pitches or they're going to hit good pitches. It's, uh, you know, just taking the ups and downs and, and, you know, letting the game take care of itself, I guess. When you jump into a clubhouse like this that has had – well, this team has had a ton of success this year on the mound, and they're really good guys in the bullpen and in the starting rotation. What's it like to assimilate right away into this clubhouse? Uh, it's been really cool. They've been really uh, – guys have been really accepting, and um, that's not really what I expected. I expected to kind of be uh, outcasted as the guy who didn't do the same ropes as everybody else. You know, I didn't have to grind through uh, short season and A ball, and so I – kind of expected to be uh kind of looked down on because i've you know kind of got i guess handed uh to be here uh, without having to do the same things they did uh but it's been complete opposite they've been uh really accepting and really open and you know hey here's how we do things here uh here's some some things i would work on uh if you want to compete at a high level here here's some stuff uh that you uh need to do and then also just uh you know being there off the field whether it's playing card games or, uh, you know, I think Watley bought me a cake uh, for uh, tonight, tonight, and he buys everybody a cake. But uh, so that's been nice to, to have guys that, you know, it's been a completely different experience than what I expected stepping in. Um, and being the new guy, I guess, you know, at first things were a little uh, closed off. I'm not the most outgoing person, but it's been, uh, guys have been really open and accepting and it's been really fun. Matt Watley is a guy who I think a lot of us focus on because he is kind of the prototypical veteran catcher who has mm -hmm. been around the block and he really knows what he's doing when it comes to, to calling a game. What's it been like working with Matt on and off the field? Matt's a, he's a, he's a character, um, a really good dude who really wants to, to see the best in people. Uh, and so seeing that off the field and it's, it's cool, but he also calls a really good game and, uh, you know, I, I think most guys in, on the team would say he's probably one of the better catchers that are probably the best catcher to, to ever catch or to call a game for him. So uh, that kind of experience and is really fun just to pick their brain of you know, what goes through your head, you know, when you're building your scouting report or when you're calling pitches. Are you uh, so kind of picking his brain on that and then just, uh, you know, hanging out with him off the field, too. He's a really good guy. And, and so on both, side of, both sides of it, it's been really fun to work with him. Throughout the rest of this season and going forward, what are you trying to accomplish? Just to enjoy it. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but um, I think when you get result-oriented, you get really short-sighted. And, you know, you're only – as a reliever, you're only as good as your last outing. Um, so I, I, I try to take the results out of it and just enjoy the game as it comes and, and realize that, you know, I am here to pitch. Um, and I'm here to get out and, and to be successful on the mound. But uh, personally, I would say I'm, I'm more here for the, the off the field stuff, you know, building relationships and pouring into people. And so for me, the goal is always to enjoy the game and to remember, you know, what I'm here for. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, anybody can come in and get three outs, but, you know, who's going to be that guy that you know, is hopefully, you know, speaking life into people or whatever 
that may look like in each situation. Um, so I want to be successful on the field, but you know, my goal for this year is to enjoy it and to build relationships with people and, um, you know, hopefully carry that into next year, uh, not necessarily to put up a, you know, a one ERA or whatever it may be. He's Chase Lee, reliever for the Rough Riders. Chase, thanks so much for joining us. Yes, thank you for having me. What a guy, Chase Lee, and a wonderful season here with Frisco. But while he was a key piece of this team, he was not one of the 29 guys on the opening day roster at Riders Field. It's always fun to take a look back at opening day rosters from past years and see where guys ended up. And this year, quite frankly, is no different from that aspect. But I think that this roster is a little bit different because in a couple of years looking back at these guys... I think you're going to see a lot that made their way to the major leagues. Quick aside as well, the original roster was 28 players, but Hans Kraus was on the temporary and active list to start the year because of the birth of his first child. So we added him onto the list. I mean, we make the rules around here. As we take a quick overall look at the roster, 14 players out of the 29 started and finished with Frisco. 12 finished the season in AAA Round Rock, one ended the year with the Rangers, and two finished in the Phillies system. The initial roster included eight top 30 prospects by MLB.com's ranking. Of the eight, only three finished the season with the Rough Riders, that being pitcher Cole Wynn, outfielder Bubba Thompson, and infielder Davis Wenzel, who actually missed a substantial amount of time this year with both a broken handmade bone and a wrist injury. Out of that first Rough Riders roster, they saw four players make their Major League debut, those being Jake Latz, A.J. Alexi, and Ryan Doro with the Rangers, while Hans Kraus, who was traded at the trade deadline in July, made his MLB debut with Philadelphia in September. As mentioned, the bullpen to start out the season was flat-out nasty. Blake Bass, Scotty Angler, Joe Gatto, Cole Uvula, Stephen Velines, and Sal Mendez all ended up in AAA Round Rock at some point, meaning six out of the ten men in the pen received the call-up a level. Bubba Thompson and Cole Wynn were by far the highlights of the entire season out of those opening day roster guys, being named postseason All-Stars in the AA Central with career years, and Wynn also captured Pitcher of the Year honors. He was flat-out brilliant along with Thompson. Ultimately, we can go on and on about these players. It's very hard to look at this roster and not see that a lot of them will be on that Rough Riders road to the show wall very soon. What a wonderful bunch of guys, as good as they were on the field, they were very good off the field as well. That's going to do it for our fifth episode of Riders Report, the podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast to get notified on the newest episode, both during the offseason and, of course, once we reach the 2022 year. We're going to try to do these once a month and get you some interviews on former and possibly future Rough Riders as well as we get you behind-the-scenes look into what goes on in the offseason and preparation here in the minors. There is so much to look forward to as we continue to build on this podcast, but ultimately, we are so happy to have you along. This is Zach Bigley, the broadcaster for the Rough Riders, signing off. We'll talk to you next episode here on Riders Report, the podcast. Go Riders!